Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Boston Loose Baseball, episode 78. We are back a little quicker and sooner than we thought we would be because there's big news to discuss. The extension given to Davey Martinez and soon enough, very likely an extension ironed out and finalized with Mike Rizzo reportedly as well. We've got a reaction to it, an emergency pod of sorts. It's Boston Loose Baseball, episode 78 right now. Bustin' Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. This is episode 78 of Boston Blues Baseball. Grant Paulson, Toby Altizer, producer Garris Dameron. And we are back just a couple of days after our last pod. Probably now going to be a three-pod week because of the breaking news today as we tape late on Monday night. Davey Martinez extended for two years. Mike Rizzo will soon follow with a similar length extension. This news broken by Ken Rosenthal. Uh, and Bricciaroli of The Athletic this afternoon. So let's just start with your reaction to Davey Martinez getting a two-year extension. I like it. We talked a little bit in depth about this a couple episodes ago, and I'm still a little bit wary of him as a manager making some in-game managerial decisions, and we've seen some of those things uh, recently. But I think overall, you can't overlook the fact that the guys play super hard for Davey every single night and I mean this is a team that's exceeded expectations and so you know you see the different reactions around Twitter whether they like Davey and Rizzo and they like these contracts but the reality is this team has exceeded expectations and the guys that are really uh, a big part of that are Davey and Rizzo and more probably specifically Davey because of the fact that he's with these guys and keeps their heads up and makes sure that they battle every single day and I mean, this is a team that has played so much better. You've seen improvement, and I think Davey deserves a lot of credit for that, and so I'm glad to see him get that extension. Yeah, so let's just start with the fact that they're already two wins better than they finished last year. 57 wins right now. They had 55 all of last season. You go back to 2021, they're going to blow that 65-win season out of the water as well. They played 401 baseball. They have been better this year than they were at any point since the 2019 World Series. And that includes when they played 26-34 and 34 baseball in the 2020 pandemic season, when they still had the majority of that World Series roster intact and finished in fifth place in the division. They are closer to the playoffs right now than the Yankees, than 
Uh, they're a game back of the Mets, a couple games back of the Padres, just as an example, as to how much they've overachieved. Now, if your point is as simple as they're a fifth-place team, they're in last place, this shouldn't be celebrated, I don't think you really understand what's going on here. Everybody knew going into the year they were a last-place team. Everyone knew this was going to be a long season. The expectation was probably something like 60 and 102 or 65 and 97 or what have you. But that's not going to happen. They're going to exceed those uh, outlooks and output. And, and to your point, I think, Davey Martinez deserves a lot of credit. Now, this does not change how I feel about him overall as a manager. This does not mean suddenly he's one of the better managers in baseball. What I think it does mean is it's okay to acknowledge that he's done a really good job, that like his positive mindset, Toby, his outlook, the fact that in the same way that he was in 19 when the wheels were coming off the wagon and I walked over to the ballpark at 19 and 31 thinking maybe he was getting fired and I talked to him for five minutes on the field. He's like, we're going to be fine. You know, th this team's going to bounce back. And that, that constant positivity that the players feed off of that made the 19 season possible, if, if you don't go into the, these seasons and work with players with that same exuberance that he kind of brings and, and just constant optimism, if you're a realist like I am and you're managing this team, players smell that and feel that, and you're probably not overachieving to the extent that they are. So this has been his best managerial job since October of 2019. I don't even think it's close. And because of that, he gets this two-year extension as his contract was about to expire. The last thing I'll say about him this year uh, is that I think it makes some sense that you keep him around for two years from a timing standpoint because it's not like they're going to make the playoffs next year. It'd be amazing if they did, if James Wood and Dylan Cruz and Brady House and Trey Lipscomb and these guys come up and, and two or three of them just far exceeds expectations and all of a sudden they win 88 games. That's cool, but that's very unlikely and, and shouldn't be expected and is not the norm. What's more common and likely is, you know, this year they win 70-ish games. Next year they hopefully try to get to 500 and maybe they win 77 or 78 games. And then in 2025, two seasons from now, you know, they are competing for a wild card spot, getting back over 500 into the low 80s, mid 80s and wins. You can't go get, and I don't know what manager people would name, but just to pick someone like the Mets going and getting Showalter or the Giants, you know, when they went and, and called their shot uh, and went and got, you know, their culture changing manager. Uh, you, you don't do that now when you've got two more years ahead that are like build years that are, let's get back to 500 baby steps years. Big time championship level managers aren't coming in here to deal with the coaching, the instructing, the the developing part of what they st still have to do. And you know, Davey's willing to do it. They've done a good job. His staff here at the big league level for the most part, you're getting results from the young guys. You're, you're getting more out of some of the veterans like Stone Garrett and Lane Thomas and Joey Manessis than was expected when those guys originally debuted with the team. So all of that looks good on his resume. What, why, what would be the argument not to have given him an extension right now based on this season and frankly, how the last year and a half has gone. Yeah. I mean, you're starting to th see things really start to ascend and things are improving. So why would you change it when you've seen clear improvement? And I think that's a great point about the two seasons because 
you know, obviously in a couple of years, maybe this team is competing for a World Series again or at least a, you know, legit playoff contender. And if at that point you don't like the in-game stuff that I've talked about, then maybe you move on and bring in the new guy that can do a little bit job in terms of managing the baseball team. But right now, the important thing with this team is the clubhouse, making sure these guys are motivated, making sure these guys are developing. And he's so good at that. There's not many managers, you know, as much as we like to bash Davey and the decisions he makes, there's not many managers that are better at managing the personalities and keeping the morale high because he's just, that's his thing that he's good at. Like, you know, there's different coaches that are good at various things. There's different managers that are good at various things. That's his thing. Now, you know, this is good for Davey as well, because now he gets a couple of years to work on this and maybe he improves as a manager. Maybe he understands how to use the bullpen a little bit better. Maybe he understands when to pull guys or leave a guy in and making some of these decisions. You know, that's something that I'm sure Rizzo and the guys can work with him on because he's going to have the opportunity to grow with these guys now and he's going to really understand it. And then you're going to add in even more youth. So, you know, it's something that. Maybe you're not a fan of Davey Martinez, and so maybe you're a little frustrated that he's going to stick around, which I think is a little bit crazy at this point with where he's at. But I think you also have to give Davey a chance. I think that as these as this team continues to grow and get better and hopefully contending for a playoff spot once again, then you can start really evaluating Davey once again because you know this season, how many times are you going to really get on him about choosing the right reliever when he's choosing between the guys that he has out there? When you start getting to be a legit baseball team again, I think you can start looking at that, and hopefully Davey learns from that. But I love the fact that they're just going to keep this all in place and build off of that because you just don't want something where you've seen the real progress of this season, where you mentioned the Stone Garrett, Lane Thomas. Those kind of guys have shown real improvement. Davey Martinez is big in that. Obviously, C.J. Abrams, Caber Ruiz, those guys have shown improvement improvement as well. Davey's a big part of that. And so you don't want to go into next season, change that up and see regression. You just want to keep see consistent building and moving forward and keeping the same guys in place, I think works. Now we can have a discussion about the coaching staff around Davey. I think that's a legit discussion, but keeping Davey Martinez as the head manager, I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We'll get to the staff in a second. Uh, the one thing I'll say about evaluating Davey is, and I love managing along with managers and critiquing their decisions and their lineups. And I think that's one of the really fun things about baseball. I have done very little of that with Davey the last couple of years. And it's not because like, I love the guy or I'm being nice to him or anything. It's because it doesn't matter right now. Like with this team, there just aren't that many buttons to touch last year when Danny and I were hosting this pod, I said a couple times, like he gets a pass for this season. As far as I'm concerned, this is a terrible baseball team. They played awful defense. Now, if you want to say, you know, he and his staff could have done more instructing on base running and, and okay, that, that could be a fair critique, but they, they were bad on the base pass. They were bad defensively. And I just didn't think they had enough major league talent. They weren't calling up, you know, four, a types of, who have played in the big leagues. They were calling up guys that aren't going to play in the major leagues extensively. I, I think similarly this year, I see people, you know, crushing some of the decisions and going to the pen and how he's using guys in the same way I would with him in 19 or with Dusty before that or whatever. And it's just not the same thing. Like it, it, it's this group it does not have the major league caliber talent and depth for a manager to actually manage the way he wants. Not to mention 
On top of that, there, there are all kinds of restrictions and rules and guidelines, not unlike almost like a minor league team. When you have this many young guys that you're developing, like leaving Mackenzie Gore or, or Josiah Gray in or stretching them out or, you know, not going to the pen at a certain time, like little things like that. If, if you're if you have a veteran team and, and you're trying to win a division this year, you manage differently. Like this is largely about the future and development uh, as coaching and instructing and managing sometimes that, you know, with prospects in the minors is. I mean, not to the same extent because it's the big leagues, but, you know, on a scale, it's closer, you know, to the middle of headed that that way toward like minor league development than it would be just all the way turned up to this is the major leagues who cares about you know, th this guy's next two, three years, what have you. So I think all of those things need to be mentioned. Uh, as you said, he's got his detractors. I see the loud Nats people on Twitter. Um, some of them listen to this show, and I, and I appreciate that, and I thank them. And everyone's got a seat at the table here. I think all discussion on the team is good. I, I used to hate when I took issue with things that a manager would do, you know, that the idea was anyone who questions anything is is a jerk or, you know, is, mm -hmm. is rude. Like, baseball is fun that that's this is what we do we critique we we um you know we argue about the right decisions but the bottom line is this the guy won a world series championship here uh they don't win it without him and while largely over the course of his body of work i would say he is a very average major league manager i think he has some special people skills and some of the stuff that like you put on bumper stickers and t-shirts that sounds <laughs> super cheesy and corny and and now, as a cynical guy myself, I kind of roll my eyes at. I think it's legitimately it's it's not him like turning it on. I think it's like this is a more optimistic person than I am. This this is a more positive, warm, pleasant person, and I think players kind of enjoy and 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 like uh, being around him for that reason. But I, I would just kind of rhetorically say this to to put a bow on the Davy combo or or turn it back over to you. I, I don't see how you could have done anything differently. Right. Yeah. I mean, unless if you didn't want to give him the extension right now with how everything's going and how CJ Abrams and Kbert Ruiz have developed in the years you're getting from your young pitchers and and the way that the ball club forget just the kids, but the ball club is playing now on the heater that they're on having won 20 of 29. Then you needed to make a move this offseason because this is now officially a no brainer. I mean, this to mm -hmm. me was. We said this recently, but th th there was no way to stop this project right now, as you said, and to, to call in someone else to pick up where they left off. Like you essentially are remodeling a room in your house and Davey and Rizzo are running the project and the project is halfway done probably at this point, it looks like, or maybe a little more than halfway done and it's looking pretty damn good. And now you're going to kind of stop and call on someone else because of, you know, something that happened before the project started. Like, and I, I, my hypothetical there is if you're mad about their draft history or what the system was like before they started the rebuild and, and you want to get upset at the front office about that. Like, real qualms, I understand. Or you're mad that Davey, you know, over a couple of years did this or his usage of the bullpen or whatever. My point is the whole point of this season was this build. And I think it's going well. And we say this a lot, Toby. I, 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 I hope people that listen to this pod know that I think we're really fair. Like I'll, I, I will crush them occasionally. We did a podcast lambasting their draft record over several years. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the system at one point in time, a couple years ago uh, was completely barren and one of the worst in the sport. And we'll call balls and strikes. But right now, this moment, we'll get to Rizzo in a second, uh, as well as this build is going and, 
you know, you, you've got guys that have done it. Rizzo has built a World Series champion, and, and they're building this thing back up. It's been clinical. It's been textbook since he traded Scherzer and Turner to, to jumpstart the whole thing a couple years ago. And in the case of Davey, if he didn't have the 19 World Series run, I think it's a very different conversation. I mean, frankly, if he didn't have that run, he's probably not here. Yeah. But because he does, and because this clubhouse has really taken to his way, I I don't see how they could have done anything else with those two contracts expiring. Yeah, I totally agree. And the thing is, I'll never be a guy, you know, unless we see some drastic changes in the way that he manages a ball game. I'm never going to be a guy that's in the Davey Martinez manager fan club. You know, I'm I'm not necessarily a huge fan of the way he manages at times, but just the way that the last couple of seasons have gone, like you said, it really doesn't matter. I'm a big fan of Davey Martinez, the guy, and that's why I don't necessarily mind this. And I think the best way to put this, Grant, is, you know, maybe there is a time to move on from Davey Martinez. I don't think it's right now. Maybe it was two years ago. Maybe it's two years from now. But I don't think right now that's is the right time to do yeah, it. Yeah, that, that's kind of a... Like if they would have like it would have been pretty close to 19. Right. But if the point was, oh, my God, they're about to go into a, a four year rebuild. Let's uh, let's go get like a really sharp, young, up and coming staff that like is analytically minded and, and get some guys that have coached in the minors or whatever. Maybe that would have made sense to your point. I, I right now would probably prefer in 2025 after the you know, the, or, or after 25, after the two years that they go in a different direction probably. And they go get, you know, someone who's got a, a couple of world series and, and, you know, a ton of wins under their belt or whatever to come in here. Like that makes sense. But right now, this second with a, you know, a couple of more years around 500, maybe coming as they build this thing back up. I, I think Davey's very much fine for that. And you, you used a good word. Like he earned the extension. Uh, you, he went into a contract year, and, and the team goes to him and says, here's a bunch of the things we need to see. They're checking all those boxes right now. They just are. Dang, Zoom. I don't understand how you can, in the same breath, be excited about this Nationals team and what they've done this year and think that both Davey and Rizzo should be gone because of how bad they are. Like, they've overexceeded expectations. I understand if you're not fans of them. And like you said, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not a huge fan of what they're doing and you didn't want them, we understand that. Like we can see the other side and we're very clearly understanding of the other side. But from our perspective here, Grant, it just it, it doesn't make a lot of sense at this point to move on from Davey. You continue with what has been working really over the last, you know, this last year as they continue to grow and see if it works. Like you said, your analogy was kind of, you know, working on a room or it'd be like if you had some people that were working on a painting and you judged it halfway through like. Let's see it out. If it sucks at the end, then obviously Rizzo and Martinez are going to be gone. But well, and guess what? The painting looks really good. Like that's yeah. important too. I w the one thing I'll correct that you said, and I'm just speaking for myself. You have your own take. For me, I don't really see or agree with people that don't understand that Mike Rizzo is an outstanding executive. Like full stop. Period. I, I think he's one of the best GMs in baseball. I think he's an exceptional talent evaluator, and I think his trade history is all time. Like it is unbelievably impressive what they've done in trades. That does not mean that they did a great job in the draft over several years. Is he maybe too loyal to a bunch of, you know, the, the guys that put together the draft board? I don't know. Uh, their minor league system was not good enough for a long time. Some of that's a little misleading because they flip guys like Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez and go get Adam Eaton to win a World Series. But just by and large, generally speaking, since the Anthony Rendon draft and really from 
about 12 on, the success at churning out pitching and hitting has not been nearly good enough. But you, you can't just acknowledge that and pretend like the other stuff that they did wasn't impressive. Like, okay, they don't get credit for Strasburg because it's 1-1 if you want to take away that credit. They don't get credit for Harper because it's 1-1. Okay, fine. There was a vision. They had a plan. They were bad on purpose. Like, they could have not gotten those picks, and they did, but I digress. They take Rendon at six, right? I mean, they had a run where – do you people remember that when Mike Rizzo signed Max Scherzer to the, the contract he got, that he got – destroyed for it because of Scherzer's age. And it was a seven year deal. And it was at the time, I think the most money a starting pitcher had been given. And because Scherzer had just turned 30, everyone thought it was insane. Like they hit over and over yeah. and over again, the, the 175 million they gave to Strauss. Now that they, they paid for it on seven and two forty five on the back end, which I, I think more was a learner and Boris thing, maybe even than Rizzo, but uh, I could be wrong about that. But, when they gave Strauss the seven and the 175 on the second of the three contracts, he won the World Series on that contract. World Series MVP. A lot of people thought that was silly to do well, after all the arm problems. Like, I, I, I could go through over and over and over, but you go Joe Ross and Trey Turner mm -hmm. for Steven Souza, Wilson Ramos for Matt Capps, uh, the Doug Fister deal for like Steve Lombardozzi, uh, Denard Spann for Alex Meyer, uh, this Soto deal, which people hated, I loved, is a godsend to this organization and in helping this rebuild, you know, get back on track in a quick manner and was a necessity. Uh, I still think the, you know, people, and I just disagree with them, uh, still think that the Scherzer-Turner deal with Turner having a year and a half, maybe they could have done something else. Look at Ruiz hitting the ball right now and Gray had an all-star year. I, I, I just, the results are there. I mean, you, you can scream as loud as you want to about the draft and player development. They won a World Series in 19. They were one of the best teams in baseball for going on a decade. They had a chance every year in the playoffs. It didn't quite work out. Only one team gets to win, and it's happening again. Like, like they have gone from a terrible minor league system to one of the top 10 like this. So I, yeah. I just I don't know how someone can not look at the way he's gone about it and say, I think he's the second or third longest tenured executive in baseball, but like that guy's done a hell of a job. I, I think it's just. It's hard for me to, to to see it the other way. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. To play a little bit of devil's advocate here, I think the reason that it's difficult with the farm system and with the draft process is that's maybe why you couldn't sustain the run a little bit longer because you didn't have guys coming up eventually to take some spots when you couldn't pay guys, and then you didn't have the opportunity to replenish with trading a couple of prospects. I mean, the Padres trade all their guys to the Nationals, and now they have a guy in the top five again. Those sort of things the Nationals didn't have happen. So I think that's the other side of it, Grant. But again, I would side more with you. Like, even if you want to go back and say the Patrick Corbin deal is bad, okay, but if he wouldn't have spent the money to go there and he would have ended up with the Yankees, do they win the World Series in 2019? Are we having these discussions? So even some of the things that maybe blow up in your face a little bit, like you brought up the Strasburg contract, 2019 justifies a lot of these things. And so I think if you can give him another chance at this, you know, building up the farm system, and now we're talking about over the last couple of pods, we're talking about outfielders galore in this system. The beauty of this, you have a couple of the, these guys pan out. They're under contract for a couple of years. You find someone that another team finds attractive. Now you're bringing in a, maybe a starting pitcher or a reliever and you can package guys and do what Rizzo did so well to build this team up. And, 
you know, he built winner after winner. They just didn't get across the finish line. 19, they finally did. So I agree with you. I can understand the other side just a little bit, but I completely agree with you. When you look at Rizzo, I'm going to stand in his corner way more than I would for Davey Martinez. But, you know, when we get this deal done with, with Mike Rizzo, I'm going to be excited about that more than Davey. Yeah, so it's... Uh, again, I, I want to make clear that th I'm not running from the draft history or the, the system getting as bad as it was. Like, that was categorically brutal. No doubt about it. Um, I have less issue with the system part, as weird as that is as a guy who hosts a Prospects baseball show, than I do the <laughs> draft history. Because the system, you're trading. When you're contending all the time, you are going to be trading guys to add talent. And they did that. Like, you know, they, they traded, um, I can't think of the lefties names with the Marlins now to the A's for Luzardo, uh, Jesus Luzardo. Like there were so many guys like that, that have been in the big leagues. Not all of them have panned out, but that they, they went and they got Doolittle and Madsen. Like they have made those types of deals. I think we look at the Braves and the, the Dodgers who are just better than everyone else. Mostly at constantly stacking their system while contending and saying that that's what they should have done. And yes, that that is what you strive to do. Absolutely. It can be done. They didn't do it well enough. I, I, I have much bigger issue with the draft because you're picking in every round every year. Uh, it's a similar amount of money being spent, you know, for each team. There's really no excuse to go a whole draft without landing something, let alone two or three or four or five or seven or whatever. So that part kills me. And if two years ago in 2021, let's say, with the system looking like it was and after the 19 World Series, the 2020 collapse, and then in 2021 after the way things were trending, like if at that point the decision was made to move on from Mike Rizzo, even though I would have said he's going to go somewhere else, he's going to build a winner, he's going to make great trades, and they're going to be happy that he has them. It's not the most ridiculous thing in the world, but he was given a chance to do it again, a thing that we know he can do and that he did really well before. And it is happening in front of our eyes. So this, again, is a no-brainer to let him continue this process. He made a Soto deal that a lot of executives would not have made. A lot of executives would not have done that. That is one of those, your ass is on the line. This gets talked about. This is your legacy for the rest of your time. Trades, right? A lot of people listening didn't want that done. That was an outstanding and necessary trade. Like that is a, a legacy defining kind of move that they made. Now we'll see what James Wood becomes. I happen to believe he's going to be a major league star. Even if he isn't though, Abrams and Gore for what the Padres have gotten at a Soto is a comparable enough package. Then you throw in Wood. They're going to eventually get big league production at a hassle, whether he makes the impact we thought when they got him or not. I'm not sure he has regressed some overall as a prospect. I think Harleen Susana eventually becomes a wipeout reliever uh, who was also a member of that deal. But, you know, any one of these things by themselves that they've done to reboot this whole thing has just been really, really sharp. So uh, I, I, I don't I think it's a good conversation. Like, I, I do. I, I just with Rizzo, I, I, I see. Uh, you know what? I, I'll say it this way in um, when we're talking football all the time on my normal show on DC Grant and Danny on 1067 the fan there are a lot of times where i critique or bash or or 
um, take issue with something Ron Rivera did, right? And the perception is that I don't like Ron Rivera, which is not true. Like, I, I think he's a good dude, and I really do like him, and I root for him. I don't see football the same way as him, right? I, I, I'm not telling you I'm smarter than him. That guy knows more about football. He played for the freaking 85 Bears. He's got more football knowledge in the cuticle of his, one of his fingers than, than I have. I'm readily admitting this. But the way I see the game and, and learned the game and covering McVay and Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel and Matt LaFleur and all these guys, and the way he does it, they're just two different things. So I have a hard time sometimes with like l- the way that he does it. I happen to, I, I'm not saying I, I have the knowledge of Mike Rizzo, but like I see baseball kind of through a lens, I think like he does in a way, or I've come up maybe in my formative years with him having been here for over a decade now, kind of seeing it the way he sees it. And so I tend to agree with a lot of the things that he does, if that makes sense. I'm just trying to explain why uh, I am more of like a Rizzo guy maybe than a lot of people, but I would just point to the results. Like if I was saying all this and and they weren't outstanding for several years, and I think that the job of a GM is to build a 90-plus win team and hand it to a manager. And then it's yeah. the job of the players and the manager to go win the damn thing. And every year for several years, he handed a 90 to 95 win team over sometimes to bad managers, which you could blame him for Matt Williams, sometimes to managers who were in over their heads, who were had great track records like Dusty, who, who I loved 21 hours a day. And sometimes to not particularly great managers who uh, had great relationships in the clubhouse like Davey Martinez. But I don't know. Some of that is money. How much are you spending? Can you go get the right manager? Uh, you know, a lot of it is also financials. And I could be wrong about this too, Toby. I'll tag you back in here. I always, like, maybe this is super flawed. I also kind of grade on a curve all the time because I think he does a lot of this with his hands tied behind his back. And we should get into the ownership part of this too. But my perception is that he's pushing a boulder up a hill from an ownership standpoint. Little things over the years that that have happened make me think that. Remember when he wanted or or they wanted Bud Black and they offered him like this embarrassing one-year deal? Remember that at all? And it was I like a super – so they like low-balled Bud Black when he was like a revered manager. And you just realize at that time, like, oh, my God, like this is this is worse than I think. Yeah. You know, and it's like if if my perception is wrong and he has everything he wants from ownership and they're giving him all the money, then I, I'm giving him a, a pass. I look at the system and I go, well, they're not spending on the stuff they need to spend on. If Rizzo yeah. and his people aren't – submitting a report to ownership saying I need this, 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 and they just don't want that technology. They just don't want that information. Then I will gladly say, okay, then these guys don't get it. But my guess is they probably do submit that, 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 that want, and they just don't get it funded. That's, that's again, I don't have information on this. I'm, I'm speculating, but it is another way as I try to explain my paradigm for people when they go, you know, why are you such a believer in, in Rizzo? Those are some of the reasons. Yeah, and real quick, before we get back into some of the ownership stuff, one of the things with Rizzo, too, is you know he easily could have looked at some of the guys that were still on the baseball team and been like, maybe we can get one last run at it. You know, you look at Scherzer, you look at Turner, you look at Soto, and you could have been stuck in an Angels situation. So, you know, some of that's ownership with the Angels. I understand that. But you also have to give them some credit and seeing. This ain't going to work and moving on. And then think about the guys that you get excited about right now, every single night. And how many of those come from two trades, you know, the, the Scherzer and Turner deal. And then the Soto deal, those are the guys you get excited about. And so those are things that Rizzo made the decision that, 
It's not going to work. We're going to have to start over. And he gets a lot of credit for that. And, you know, you mentioned some of the stuff with ownership and whether his hands were tied. I think this comes back to it, Grant. How much of that hampers the minor league stuff? How much of that hampers the draft process? Because as much as you want to talk about the ownership not spending in free agency and saying, hey, this is the number you have to spend. And, you know, that basically ties his hands and he can't go shopping anywhere but the bargain bin. I think when you look at it in the minor leagues, that can hold you back because you can't develop guys. So is that held back some of the guys they drafted? Or does it hurt the scouting process because they can't look at the guys that they want to look at or they can't get all the details or they can't develop the guys exactly how you want? So maybe that plays into it. Again, we're speculating here, but I don't think it's too far-fetched to think that they were tied back a little bit. But I thought it was interesting, Grant, that Jesse Doherty wrote a piece today with uh, Chelsea Janes in the Washington Post talking about this move. And he's kind of the only one I've seen uh, speculating this, but I've seen other reports. Curious to get your thoughts on this. He talked about these two contracts more so being an idea of stability for the franchise in case there's a sale. And I could totally understand that. I also think they have earned these on merits, which we've talked about for the last 30 minutes on this podcast. So, you know, I don't think we need to get more into that. But I think it's interesting if that's the case. Is there maybe a legit chance of a sale on the horizon? Like, is that something that they make this move knowing that they can keep Rizzo and Martinez around and let the new owners make a choice if it is Ted Leonsis or someone else? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so... let me start by saying I have no idea. I mean, obviously, right? But yeah, it's really interesting, actually. Um, so I actually, yeah. First, I think it's very possible, and I agree with the idea that having two guys under contract for two years, rather than having to come in here and go pay a GM and a manager during a rebuild, like if you weren't in the middle of a rebuild and you could just pick a GM and a manager, that might be more enticing for an owner because you quote-unquote get your guys. But like I don't know that now is the time that you're going to go get your A-listers anyway, so to speak. So I kind of get that point that Jesse's making. Also, and I could be wrong about this, but while we're throwing things out there that we think and speculating like I was doing, I don't. I have not heard another name in a long time other than Ted Leonsis. Like I expect that Ted Leonsis is going to buy the team when and if the TV stuff gets cleared up. That's kind of where I'm at on this. I guess it's possible when they get to the offseason that they could open this thing back up pretty wide, that someone else could swoop in, you know, a la, um, you know, Steve Apostolopoulos or Tillman Fertitta <laughs> or whatever. But it, it seems to me like, at least right. at the yeah. end of the road last off, or like this past offseason, it was Leonsis or Bust. Well, Leonsis is a extremely loyal, um, preacher of continuity uh like it would make sense to me if if you're ted that you would go oh they're in the middle of a rebuild and this guy who won the championship is is doing the rebuild and it's going well like i think he's exactly the kind of guy that would dig that he had uh george mcphee for years as his gm with the caps then when he finally moved on from mcphee he went to his assistant mcclellan it's kind of in-house the entire time look at the wizards Ernie Grunfeld lasted forever and ever and ever. And then he finally went in a different direction and it was his assistant, uh, Tommy Shepard. And they just now with no real choice, cause there was just a mutiny among the fan base. Basically they finally went to uh, outside people uh, after how many years has he owned the wizards now over a decade. So 
I don't know. I say all that to say, if I'm guessing, like it, it wouldn't hurt Ted Leonsis, I'm sure. He would look at that and go, oh, I like this. I got these guys for a couple of years to see this thing through, and and then we can evaluate them based on how the build goes. And if Ted feels that way, maybe other potential owners would. Yeah, and I think so. I mean, he's very loyal to his general managers, probably to a fault, but it wouldn't be a problem if he comes in with a guy like Mike Rizzo that's a World Series winning manager, a guy that's built competitive teams. So it's something that he'd probably stick it out with him. So I wouldn't have any issue with that. It's going to be interesting to see, though, you know, what happens with the ownership and what comes down the pike really this offseason, the next couple of years, because, you know, if this Masson thing can get figured out who knows how long that's going to continue on you also have the new money coming in with what is it the Qatari fund or whatever that's joining in with monumental maybe that's something that is a play to buy the nationals but you know I, I think when you just tie it all back into these guys like having an idea like you said in a rebuild where you know you're not going to have to try to figure out well, who the heck should I get as manager or who the heck should I have come in and be the GM when you already know that Mike Rizzo has his vision. He already sees what the plan is and you can kind of let him see that out and then figure out whether you want him to be the guy long term or not. I think that that that's really smart. So we'll see what happens with all the ownership stuff, but I do tend to agree that it can help with some of the stability, but I don't necessarily think that's the only reason it's done. I think that when you look at what's happened this season, I think both of these guys have earned the contract they've gotten. Long gone. One other thing I'll say just kind of in the big picture as far as, you know, how things are looking in the moment organizationally, globally, you know, from just a young talent standpoint, if you look at the pitching, every, we talk about Gore and Gray all the time, but Jake Irvin has had one of the best stretches for a developed internal pitcher uh, that they've gotten. Other than, um, you know, Eric Fetty, they haven't really had a guy do what he's done over his last dozen starts with a sub-4 ERA uh, since, you know, Strauss, Jay Zim, those types of guys, which speaks to, again, how long it's been and how badly they developed arms for a long time, but I digress. Uh, but you've got Gore and Gray and Jake Irvin, uh, Yohan Adon, who... You know, not a high-end prospect, but very, very young and is flashed, obviously. Uh, all those guys at the major league level, controllable and young. Then you've got close in the in the minors. You've got Jackson Rutledge will be in the majors next year. Jake Bennett will be in the majors next year at some point. Mitchell Parker, who will be in the majors next year at some point. Cole Henry, assuming health, will be in the majors. Uh, it could have been at the end of this year if he didn't get hurt again, but next year at some point. Then on the position side, you got C.J. Abrams, who's still younger than most of the players in the top 100 prospects list. I mean, that should not be forgotten. Uh, to go along with uh, K. Barrett Ruiz, you know, in the infield, you've got Lipscomb and House, who are getting close, will be in the majors next year. Uh, then you've got in the outfield, uh, Lane Thomas, Jacob Young is very close. He's in AAA. Um, you've got Dylan Cruz, who we talk about, James Wood, who we talk about, Robert Hassel. All three of those guys will be in the majors next year. Um, and then not to mention like the guys that the arrow has trended down on Luis Garcia and Carter Keyboom. like Garcia has flashed. Keyboom has really not, but he's about to get a, a stretch at the big league level here. Uh, not to mention huge financial flexibility, Toby. I mean, there's like nobody on the books for this team. If the learners decide that they want to start spending or if the, let's say, you know, Ted Leonsis or someone else buys this team and wants to make a splash, like that could also happen where 
Maybe it's this offseason, probably the one after. But they come in and they they drop a bunch of money on a first baseman and they go get an impact bat and a, a mid-rotation starter. And all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're a handful of wins better. So I guess my point is just globally, maybe that's the optimistic way to look at it. But that's a ton of young, controllable uh, assets. Not all of them will be great big leaguers, but it's a lot of competition they've created. And it's not like this is a ball. You know, I'm not talking about Christian Vaccaro or Elijah Green. I'm not talking about someone who's five years away. These are all guys that are either currently in the majors or will be in the majors next year. And they've got money to spend. So it's a it's a pretty enticing thing as a fan right now. Yeah, and even if, you know, Leonsis or someone else doesn't come in and buy the team, I think there's still an avenue that the learners could spend money. It's not maybe going to be as much as you'd like, you know, if someone else came in here. But I still think there's an avenue because, like you said, I mean, there's so many guys on this team that are going to be very cheap over the next couple of seasons. And hopefully while this team is building up to be a contender. But one more point I wanted to add in here, Grant, about – you know, we talked about the draft and how bad they'd been for a while, and we can go through that. But right now, it seems like three out of the last four years are going to be hits at the first round pick for the Nationals. Like maybe it's, you know, you're drafting a lot higher. Dylan Cruz is hard to screw up, right? But Cade Cavalli looks like he's going to be a middle of the rotation kind of guy that you got with a 22nd pick. I think you got to consider that a success. Brady House, the dude has done nothing but hit when he's been healthy in the minor leagues and looks like he could be a cornerstone part of the franchise at third base. Elijah Green, there's definitely some questions there, so we'll see. And then Dylan Cruz is a guy that could be the franchise player going forward. So, you know, how much credit you want to give him, whatever. But the reality is it looks like three out of the last four drafts, the first round pick has been a hit. And then you start getting into some of the later rounds. And we talk about Lipscomb all the time. We talk about Dalen Lyle. We talk about some of these guys. It looks like some of this stuff is starting to turn around for the organization and they're drafting a little bit better and everything's starting to trend upward, not just on the big league club with how the guys are playing led by Davey Martinez, but it seems like Rizzo's done a better job of talent evaluating and maybe figuring out who should be on the staff and figure out exactly who's good at evaluating talent and things have really improved on that front as well. So I think as terms of being a fan right now, you know, just kind of wrapping up this discussion as we're talking about, you know, these extensions for Davey and Mike Rizzo. Like, I think that you have to be excited about the team overall. And I think you have to be excited about the fact that the guys that have seen this through are going to still be the guys that are doing it over the next couple of seasons. And you really get to evaluate them. Maybe it ends up being a flop, but I wouldn't count on that because these guys are already having things trend upward. And maybe there's going to be some bumps in the road, but they're at least showing you some promise. So I want to see what they can do over the next couple of seasons to build off of it. And I have faith that they're going to continue having this thing go in the right direction. Yeah, I think that's well said. Uh, it's just been so long since guys like Dale and Lyle kind of come out of nowhere to look like really solid prospects. And that's starting to pop up and happen around the system, right? Guys like Jacob Young get elevated and just keep hitting. And, and all of a sudden you're going non-prospect, ranked 30th, ranked 25th. You know, and they start climbing up the system. Guys like Jake Irvin, you know, who aren't particularly high-end prospects, get to the big leagues and, and help you. Um, that that's what happens in the good organizations. It's what happened here for many years before they really kind of focused on spending and going the veteran route. Uh, and, and maybe, you know, I already talked about this, but maybe they sunk so much into the free agency and some of the things they were doing and spending on in the payroll that they, they didn't want to do it at the other levels. And, and, and maybe this is a situation where, 
they either have a focus on development in the minor leagues or, or spending at the big league level, and they can't have their cake and eat it too. I'm not sure. I, there's a lot of things I've, I've always wanted to know about kind of the inner workings behind the scenes that I've never quite been able to get to the bottom of. Cause you know, I, I don't, frankly, when I talk to Mark Lerner, you know, it's normally very brief. He's extremely friendly and a huge Nats fan, but, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, yeah, that's funny. Uh, when I say he's a huge Nats fan, which sounds dumb, it's after midnight as we're recording this. But that's a good point. Uh, what I mean is, of the family members, he's still super into this. Like, he's a huge Nats fan, meaning I think he wants to be the owner of this team forever. I don't know that everyone in the family feels that way, but I think Mark Lerner goes to games wearing his hat. He's going to the minor leagues. He's riding down 95 with Mike Rizzo to see uh, Dylan Cruz's debut in Fredericksburg. He's got MLB uh, TV so he can watch the the Harrisburg Senators. Like, I think he's a mark. Where is everyone in the family that way anymore? I, not that I can gather, but again, I, I don't know all the specifics. So uh, hopefully in time, we'll, we'll get more answers to those burning questions as far as the ownership and where this whole thing's headed financially behind the scenes and the Masson deal continues to loom. But uh, as I said, we went a little longer than I anticipated. We're taping this on Monday night. It's after midnight. So it's time for Darius to do his magic production work and post this so you guys are listening to this, hopefully, first thing on Tuesday. Thanks for checking us out. Little emergency pod after breaking news today. Davey extended for two years. I guess it should be noted that still nothing official on Rizzo, although the report was that his uh, extension, which should be similar to Davey's, should be finalized very, very soon. For Toby and Darius, I'm Grant saying so long. We'll be back at it later this week on Bustin' Loose Baseball.